0: Global
1: Capital Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Ralph Sinclair and I'm the editor of Global Capital.
1: And I'm John Hay, corporate finance and sustainability editor.
0: This week was the first full week in the capital markets for issuance and it was all about interest rates and the future path of interest rates with central banks expected to put up interest rates to combat inflation and we'll be talking about how those rate expectations are affecting different parts of the capital markets and we'll start in some of the hairier parts of the capital markets and so the convertible bond market and the high yield and leveraged finance market. Um, John what's the what's been the dynamic in the leveraged loan market this week?
1: Well, in leveraged finance, interest rates have a slightly different meaning from uh, other parts of the capital markets. Of course, when rates go up, it's usually bad for holders of uh, fixed coupon bonds, and they're going to fall in price as the, as the market adjusts to higher rates, even if investors also have the prospect of buying uh, new bonds at higher yields. Um, in high yield bonds, the effect is muted, because there's so much more of of the yield comes from the credit spread, and therefore the underlying component of interest rates on government bonds is is much less important. Um, And also the the high yield market on average has a much lower duration than uh, investment grade bonds, i.e. the average maturity is uh, below five years instead of six or seven. So high yield ought not to to worry about it too much. But of course, there is the issue that these companies are highly indebted. And if interest rates go up, that can cause them credit problems.
0: And so how do you think higher rates will affect the market this year?
1: Well, there might be a slight motivation for high yield bond issuers to come earlier in the year to take advantage of lower rates before they go up. But this is likely to be a a much lower effect than you see in investment grade bonds where the interest rate matters more to issues. But the interesting bit is that leveraged loans which are floating rate could benefit from higher rates. The investors in those will enjoy the rise in rates rather than suffering any penalty as as the instruments lose value. So there could be a greater incentive for for pension funds and insurance companies to put money into uh, leveraged loans and that in turn could lead to greater demand so that part of the market could 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 swell um, th- there's a lot of interest in whether credit spreads in in the leveraged end of, of capital markets are going to tighten or widen this year people are sort of fairly evenly divided um, nobody expects it to move very much Um, But the real question, obviously, for longer term, is whether a prolonged uh, rise in interest rates can leave the market unscathed from credit defaults. The
0: thing is, though, we're talking about um, interest rate rises from a very low point, aren't we? We're not talking about accelerating straight back to sort of high yield coupons that we used to see back in the day of 5%, 8% higher. That's right.
1: that's absolutely right. I mean, even the, the average high yield bond in Europe yields 3%. Um, and the, you know, when you think that interest base rates uh, used to be 5%, and even in, you know, in living memory, 10 or 15%, um, we're still in an, in an incredibly benign environment for credit. Um, I think if, if rates go up, uh, multiple percentage points though there will be stress uh, in in leverage finance Fitch the rating agency has done a stress test and they found um, in fact that five percentage points of, of rate rise in euros would only lead five percent of the leverage finance borrowers to uh, have negative cash flow after paying their interest Um, But long before you actually reach that point uh, significant stress would be felt.
0: Now another part of the capital markets hoping for higher rates is the convertible bond market. It had a bumpy year in 2020 uh, but towards the tail end of last year issuance fell off a cliff and now People in that market are hoping that higher rates will lead to a revival of issuance. Um, John, can you tell us a bit about that and why that might be?
1: Yes, it's one of the few parts of the capital markets that actively likes higher interest rates. Uh, And this is because convertible bonds enable issuers to price bonds at lower coupons than ordinary bonds. And um, this saving is felt to be more more valuable and more appreciated by them when rates are high. Personally, I'm a bit skeptical about that because uh, corporate treasurers always want to pay lower interest. Uh, doesn't matter whether interest rates are high or low. However, the market's in a terrible state at the moment. One banker described the its it state in, in the last quarter of last year as a disaster. Um, there was only one deal priced and this is because performance had been terrible Uh, of the asset class, mainly because a lot of the issuers are tech companies and the tech sector as a whole has been selling off as the market readjusts to a post-Covid world um, where, you know, it's more interested in going back into cyclical companies. Um, So basically, the, the market is hoping that higher interest rates will sort of bail it out this year. So turning to the main capital markets, there's been huge activity so far this year and also huge interest in how interest rates are going to affect the market uh, as the year goes on.
0: Yes, that's right, John. And so we're going to look this week in depth at the sovereign, supranational and agency market where perhaps counterintuitively there's been an awful lot of interest in investors buying long-dated bonds. Um, And then we're going to look at the corporate bond market where... Actually, there's been much more interest in short dated bonds and issuers have had to try various tricks to get investors interested in their longer dated debt. And to do that, we spoke to Mike Turner, our uh, normally our corporate bonds editor, but this week uh, moonlighting on the SSA beat and Richard Metcalf, who's our people and markets editor, but who has been covering corporate bonds. I hope everyone followed that. okay richard um corporate borrowers can you explain to us a bit about what's been going on in that market in terms of the balance between investors looking for short dated debt and long dated debt
2: yeah well given that everyone expects uh rates to to rise to start rising now and and uh, over the next year and uh, into the future investors as a result of that are less keen to buy longer dated corporate bonds, uh, sort of, you know, 10, 11, 12 years or longer. Because um, they're worried that as rates rise, the natural thing that happens in the bond market then is that the prices bonds go down. And if they buy a longer dated bond now, it might be worth less in the future. Um, so there's been a lot of demand uh, for corporate bonds with shorter tenors, like three, four, five years uh, which investors see as a good place to sort of park some money now, while they wait for um, the market to sort of digest uh, any uh, any rate rises that that come down the uh, uh, come down
0: the way. Issuers, though, they obviously want to lock in um, what are still, by historical standards, very low rates. So they are obviously keen to sell long dated debt. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how they've been trying to incentivise investors to buy it
2: well that's that's what makes it so interesting Ralph isn't it because uh the uh what what the issuers want and what the investors want isn't necessarily the same thing because as you pointed out issuers uh can see that this might be the last chance that they have for quite a long time to get these really really uh super low rates that they've been enjoying for the for the past few years uh so yes the obvious thing for them to do would be to try to to issue a very long-dated bond and and therefore enjoy that low rate for longer. However, they're facing this situation that I've just described, where investors have a much stronger preference for the uh, short-dated bonds. So they've got a couple of choices for things that they can do. They can either kind of go with the flow and just say, well, never mind about the long-dated bonds for now. We'll just there's a there's a huge bid for for our you know three and four and five year bonds. Let's just Sell a load of that and, and we'll get a good price um, or they can stick to their guns decide no we do want to lock in the low rate and what we've been seeing in the market um, actually happening is they can do that and they but you know because of because of um, investor preferences uh, they have to pay a little bit more if we've seen quite a few um, bonds with tenors of say t- you know twelve years or so um, and uh, they've just had to to you know give investors a better deal to to attract them um, to those uh, to those longer dated bonds
1: and what you mean is in the new issue premium right they're they're paying up relative to the secondary market
2: yeah, so the um you know strong demand for for shorter dated bonds has meant that uh, issuers have not really been paying very much new issue premium at all on those on those trenches and we've seen multiple trench deals where Um, You know, uh, companies have issued short and long dated bonds at the same time um, and they may have paid virtually no new issue premium on the shorter dated trench, but then uh, struggled to build a big uh, book of orders for the longer dated and and therefore, um, you know, offered a a bigger premium in order to, uh, you know, to encourage investors to buy those longer dated bonds. So they can still do it, um, but they just have to pay a little bit more and And the thinking is that they might be paying a little bit more now in terms of new issue premium, but that's still going to work out in the long term uh better for them because if rates go up considerably um you know they've they've already lo- they've already locked in this right now and
0: as we know, everyone loves a green bond don't they richard and um borrowers have been using the their green bond issuance plans to full effect to try and entice investors into their long dated bonds haven't they
2: yeah, well, in fact, one banker did tell me that uh, it was very interesting because uh, often in the past, uh, green bonds uh, had been, um, well, the green label, uh, so to speak, had been applied to to the shorter dated bonds in multiple tranche transactions. And now what, what they were saying was the reverse. And we've seen several multiple tranche transactions where um, corporate borrowers have decided to put the green label instead on the longest of the, uh, of the tranches they're offering. Um, and and several bankers have said that that you know is a is a way to kind of counteract the investor preference for the for the short dated bonds. If they're not going for your twelve year bond, well, if you stick a green label on it, it's going to appeal to a, a wider range of investors because um, you know investors who have a particular sustainability mandate will be able to buy it, and therefore you'll be able to sort of um, you know uh, ca- yeah counteract as I said the. Uh, the the preference for the shorter dated uh, tranche of course it's not always as simple as that because you can't always just decide at the last minute which tranche you're going to put a, a sustainability label on uh often a lot of thought goes into these um you know ESG related securities and and you won't be able to change your plan at the last minute which is why we haven't really seen that with sustainability linked bonds um because, because um, you know, by their very nature, they they have specific targets that are, have to be relevant to the tenor. Um, it works better with a green bond where you've just ring fenced the use of proceeds for a specific green project. And it doesn't really matter whether that's a four-year, a five-year, four or a ten-year 10 bond. Um, you can you can kind of shift it around. Um, now, Mike.
0: Yields in the sovereign, supranational and agency market, or spreads, or however you want to put it, are generally lower than the corporate bond market. So presumably it's been an even harder sell selling long dated debt in that market this week.
3: Um, Well, actually, no, it hasn't been. Uh, SSAs have had much more demand for their long dated bonds than probably would be expected in an era of rising inflation and expected rate rises.
0: And why do we think that is?
3: Um, it's, well, it comes down to something that has been prevalent uh, for almost as long as I've covered this market or any market in that the ECB is pumping money in and that has washed over everything else, even record Euro-era inflation in December um, just gets just gets brushed under the carpet with ECB money.
0: So this is simply a case of uh, investors having to invest what cash they have into anything that's available. Is that right?
3: Yeah, they've got... It's not just the cash they've got, they've just got so much cash that they, they need to put it somewhere. They can't just sit on it because it's too expensive. Um, and Then knocking up against that is uh, yield curves are so um, low at the moment across the SSA sector that some issuers are having to go as long as a decade just just to offer a positive yield. So extrapolating from that, it doesn't take too much to think that you can then go to 40 years and, and still be able to pick up a decent amount of demand because investors need that yield. Even investors who would usually buy 10-year debt and feel much more comfortable in the 10-year region need just have just had to go longer and longer to deal with uh, the low-yield environment.
1: One of the things about the markets, though, is that in each segment, there are different groups of investors, aren't there? And the the investors who buy, for for example, financial institution bonds are not necessarily the same as those that buy corporate bonds or public sector bonds. So, Mike, do you think there's something about the kind of investors that buy these very low yielding um, government and supranational agency bonds that means they are uh, not worried about duration risk?
3: Um, I think that they are worried about duration risk. I mean, I, I mean, there's very definitely different types of investors to buy different types of uh, products. And I'm sure that SSA investors would love to get the sorts of yields you get in corporates. But um, the, I think it's less that they're worried about duration risk and more that they have their mandate to buy public sector debt, but they still need to try and get yield. So that's pushed them further out. Um, so once rates start rising and yields start lifting again, Um, I am certain that all the guys who have bought 20 year debt but feel more comfortable with shorter maturity will not buy 20 year debt anymore. They'll move back to to where they feel Mm. fits their risk profile.
1: And what about swap spreads? Because those are pretty important in in that market, aren't they? Has something new happened with them?
3: Yeah, so swap spreads have moved in such a way that now you can get supranational and agency issuers, so sub-sub sovereign level SSA issuers, um, printing new debt that's very, very tight to mid-swaps, but very, very wide to uh, government debt. So for example, you'll, you'll get uh, a KFW or a European Investment Bank um, printing well inside mid-swaps, so minus to mid-swaps, but will come at 30 basis points plus over the German Bund. So for the SSA crowd, looking at that, they also hold German bunds. They're seeing a triple A rated um, supranational or agency issuer and, you know, getting 30 basis points more than they do with their, their bund portfolio. So it's a pretty easy buy.
1: So it is one of those uh, rare occasions when it is actually a win-win for both sides. The the issuer, which wants to come tight to swap spreads or, or through them, is... is uh, is loving it and so is the investor
3: yeah exactly that it's it's everyone's a winner at the moment um and speaking to various parties across the market people aren't really sure why it's continued for this long because it's been going since the end of last year um and the end of last year y- you get various different technical factors like lots of people aren't at their desk there isn't much issuance and all these sorts of things which kind of can compound to uh an, Uh, Abnormalities in the market and just make them stand out more. But coming into January, where you've got this massive rush of issuance and things are much more normalised, people expected this to go away and it just hasn't.
1: Do you think the rush of deals this year in in the public sector market is bigger than normal? Or I mean, I know there's always one, but is is the sort of prospect of rising rates a a factor to come earlier for those issuers, or or does it matter less to them than say corporates?
3: Well, I've had multiple issuers tell me that they're not changing their issuance plans because of the potential for rising rates and for the end of the pandemic emergency purchase program in March, which is the ECB's um, COVID era money splurge on public sector debt. Um, You know, they've told me that, but at the same time, uh, I am... 99 percent sure that this is the busiest start to the year that there has ever been in the SSA market. And a couple <laughs> of people have told me that. I just haven't been able to check the, uh, check the numbers, mm. I'm afraid. But, mm. um, so something isn't adding up there. I think issuers are trying to play it off as cooler than, than they actually feel.
0: I mean, SSA issuers always do front load uh, their funding into January. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, SSA borrowers are probably borrowing slightly less than they have over the last couple of years. So the fact that they appear to be, I mean, I think you told me at one point, Mike, there was something like 30 SSA deals in the market this week. Um, the fact that that's going on suggests that perhaps they are trying to cram in as much as they can now.
3: Yeah, exactly. You've got, as I sort of alluded to just now, you have rising rates and also this end of end of the PEP at the end of March, which heavily, heavily favoured um, SSA debt over over anything else. It bought corporate debt, but to a tiny, tiny degree. Um, so. It, this is a real um factor at the forefront of issuer's minds and
1: if i can just uh shoehorn in um something here there's a, and it's it's actually a plug for a for a, a different article which is about uh green bonds and sustainability link bonds they've also had a, a record start to the year um i haven't looked at the actual volume uh, sort of in absolute terms versus previous years. But the the significant thing is the, the enormous share of the market that is now done in those formats. And ac- according to the figures uh, I was able to extract from Dealogic's database, uh, of, of all bonds issued in the world so far this year, 10.9% have been green or sustainability linked. And that compares with uh, a figure for last year of uh, about 8%. So it, um, it, it's been a very strong start to the year. And that's that's actually concentrated very much in certain areas, particularly Europe, uh, where over 50% of all corporate bonds brought to the market so far have been uh, either green or sustainability linked. And Latin America is another hotspot where it's, it's more than half of all the international bonds. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, I wonder how many of those uh
0: green corporate bonds in Europe, for the uh, long dated tranches that that Richard's been talking
3: about.
1: Well, some some certainly are, yeah.
3: So that raises a good point because this discussion about duration is only really ap- applicable to uh, Eurozone SSA issuance. Uh, in dollars, it's still 10 years is very much the maximum that investors are keen to look at for for SSA guys. Is
0: that is that because of a different investor base for those two products?
3: Yeah, so the dollar investors are um, just generally less keen to bypass 10 years, even at the best of times. It's, it's just not part of the curve that they really go to for SSAs traditionally. Um, and a, a big part of that will be the fact that yields in dollars are much, much higher than, um, than in euros. Um, but then this is being made more acute now because the US Federal Reserve has highlighted um, sorry, has laid out potentially four rate rises this year, whereas the ECB is sticking to its guns and has heavily implied that there won't be a rate rise until 2023. Um, so that's pushing a 10 year maximum maturity even lower, and now sort of three and five year is the sweet spot for dollar SSA issuance. Mm.
1: I think this highlights um very clearly this issue about investor bases being segmented doesn't it because in the the in the US dollar bond market they actually have a fantastic uh long-dated uh, corporate bond market I mean the, you know 30 year dollar corporate bonds are perfectly common and you know the, the the market there was 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 well ahead of um of uh Europe or certainly the eurozone in developing that but, but but as you say, the, 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 the sort of SSA market beyond 10 years is is uh, non-existent.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's strange how that, that tends to work out. And it's also similar to um, green and sustainable demand as well. is just not anywhere near as high in the US as it is in, in Europe. Um, and that's something that SSA issuers will no doubt play into too as well.
1: And in this context, it's worth thinking as well about financial institution bonds, which have also displayed an ability to go in in a different direction from apparently quite similar markets.
0: So yes, it's an interesting week if you're a bank treasurer because uh, your your senior format fundings, that senior unsecured debt, um, banks found they were much less able to tighten pricing on those deals this week, and and they might now be thinking that actually they're better off issuing lower yielding uh, covered bonds because rising rates in that market are now meaning that more of the product is, uh, is positive yielding, which has not been the case for years. And uh, with the sort of forthcoming end of uh, central bank liquidity uh, from the ECB, that will push more banks into the covered bond market anyway. So um, looking for plenty more issuance there
1: yeah it's it's this the, the investor segmentation is at play i think because the the problem in in the financial institutions market is simply the the heavy supply there's been there's been very very heavy issuance and i think investors although they have large cash balances and one a banker said that um you know the, the, the issuance wasn't really eating into the cash uh balance significantly but i think the investors are probably just wanting to wait for for deals later and and they're just pushing back a bit and, and and not not accepting price tightening, whereas in the covered bond market, same sorts of issuers, um, th- that crowd are just loving it because finally they can get a positive yield on on five year debt.
0: And of course, they've been starved of supply for for years now, um, because the ECB has been providing banks yeah. with such a vast amount of funding on the cheap that banks haven't needed to issue covered bonds.
1: So, Richard. Um, We've been talking about issuers um, adjusting their funding strategies to cope with this rather unusual year. Um, do you think corporate treasurers are going to be basically bringing deals as early as they can in order to get ahead of rising rates?
2: There, there definitely have been signs uh, of that. I mean, actually, starting in December, uh, people were talking about some of the issuers coming to the market, then trying to get ahead of uh, not only rising rates this year but also given the expectations of heavy supply actually getting ahead of uh ahead of the competition so to speak um i think there's a general there's a general um drive by by issuers to 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 do funding early before before rate rises happen um but i think it, on in the shorter term um it's actually it's actually getting quite tactical and and we're seeing a lot of issuers um, for instance, from the real estate sector, which has been incredibly busy last year and is continuing to be busy this year, it accounts for so far this year about over a third of all uh, European corporate bond issuance um, uh, outside of financials. Um, you know, we've seen them announcing roadshows early. Um, you know, to, to to try to get investor attention uh, b- before they announce a deal, um, having roadshows straddling weekends so that you know so that people. Uh, so that investors you know have time to digest all the information and do the credit work um, and then they 're seeing they 're seeing but then they 're seeing the the uh, other other issuers from the same sector announcing road before them and it's it 's it's, it's turning into a little bit of a pile up i think as people are trying to um, not just get ahead of rising rates but get ahead of um, competing supply. And Mike, what about the SSA
3: market?
0: Um, obviously, it's been an absolutely incredible week this week for uh, for new issuance. Are they going to maintain this sort of pace for much longer?
3: Yeah, more of the same, I think. Next week is going to be just as busy, um, if not busier. Um, and then that takes us to the last week of January, which might start to tail off a bit. Um, certainly in Sterling, around that time, people are going to be looking at the Bank of England meeting uh, coming up in early February and and not wanting to go rushing headfirst into that. Um, Italian issuers are going to be looking at the presidential elections as well on the the 24th and and not want to issue too close to that. Um, But yeah, next week is all guns blazing once again.
1: One thing we haven't talked about, Mike, is the 100-year bond this week.
3: A hundred years when inflation is at 5% in the eurozone. Um, (laughs) That has left people... People who probably should know better are pretty confused about why, why they were able to get such a result on that. So the German state of North Rhine-Westphalia, um, known as Land NRW, um, they, they came out with their fourth 100 year bond. Um, they thought they were only going to get around 500 to 750 million, um, even though their previous bonds have been higher, but as a reflection of where the market is at the moment. And they still managed to romp home with a 1.5 billion euro deal. Um, that pays a 1.45% coupon, which is just astounding because where, where inflation is and where rates are going. Um, and speaking to people in the markets, try and get a sense of why this might be a good idea to buy. Um, one senior person said to me that long end rates are okay, short end rates are where all the carnage is, but still, you're still locking in a 1.45% coupon and a I mean it came just under par so a slightly higher yield um at a time when when inflation is is rocketing and it it just doesn't it's very difficult to make sense of
0: great for the taxpayers of uh, north rhine Westphalia though
3: yes for sure absolutely great for the taxpayers um it's it's just uh, 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 one of many things where the reason behind it is that the e c b has spent loads of money that's that's basically what it comes down to on on so often um with these with these bizarre choices for issuance levels and investors,
1: and after all, by spent
3: loads of money, we mean invented loads of money. Yeah, create, yeah, created and then distributed <laughs> loads of money in that trickle down economics.
0: <laughs> That's been a theme, though, isn't it, of the capital markets for the last few years? Of just these uh, absolutely insane, uh, or what seem like absolutely insane deals happening. I mean, we talked, uh, John, didn't we, in the introduction about how low um the yields were on high yield debt for example Mm, and um i don't know maybe maybe if um qe is now going to roll off and rates are going to rise perhaps the uh land nrw 100 year bond will mark the high point of um bond market insanity
1: yeah and actually another um sort of one potentially for the history books Um, Going back to the convertible bond market, where, as we discussed, issuers can get lower coupons than on ordinary bonds. Um, This year, the only convertible issued so far this year is, in fact, uh, what they call a synthetic deal. It was issued by JP Morgan um, using exposure it had to shares of Sanofi. So the bonds are convertible into shares of that French drug company. Um, And this three-year bond was actually priced to yield minus 2.4%. Uh, or something like that Um, which is you know fairly crazy on the face of it
0: yeah minus 2.3 percent I can see here in uh, Mm. Aiden's story that he wrote about this deal but that is absolutely absolutely shocking nonetheless Um, well I guess I guess when it comes to reviewing the deals of the year and the deals of the decade in the future we'll we'll see how these played out and what investors felt about them who got stuck with them
3: and land and land NRW for deal of the century (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well are we witnessing the last throes of the loose monetary policy era and the types of crazy bond issues that, that has thrown up and with so much boring being done now are we in for a quieter saner time ahead be sure to read Global Capital for, to find out, and you'll find stories uh, covering everything we talk about on the podcast on the website. Just go to globalcapital.com and have a look. I'd like to thank Mike, Richard, and John for joining me for recording the podcast, and to Gerald Hayes, our editor, for stitching it all together. You can subscribe to the podcast. Just search for us on any podcast platform, and you'll find us there. It's free. There's a new episode out every Friday. And of course, as always, get in touch with us at podcasts at globalcapital.com. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with more from the capital markets next week. Goodbye.